Greetings and welcome to Tales from the Otherwood, a podcast exploring the folk tales and folklore of the East Midlands and beyond. I'm Dylan Knight, and I'll be your guide as we take one of the many paths in this magical, ever-changing woodland. We find ourselves in the month of November. Halloween has just passed, and where autumn has made its full effect of grey skies and cool mornings. Of the leaves turning gold and fallow and have been carpeting the ground. We begin our journey into winter, and the nights are definitely drawing in, and the trees both in our world and those of the other wood that hides amongst them become more skeletal as each night approaches. It is during this month and the approach of winter that sees the other world starts making itself known in our world. Now is the time for sharing stories of ghosts, witches and other creatures, each of these stories offering a glimpse into the unknown and can also be heard in whispers between the rattle of the leaves that have not yet fallen. Of course, if you've been listening to tales from the Otherwood, you'll find that these kind of stories can be told all year round, but it's the gloom of the shadows in the woods and the shortening days that give the real atmosphere for a good story. We find ourselves back in the familiar territory of the East Midlands, but I'm going to shake up the order for this one episode. Whereas normally I'd start the cycle again in my home of Nottinghamshire, we're going to begin this cycle of the East Midlands in Leicestershire. By the time this episode comes out, my dear friend Tatty shall have celebrated her birthday. I'm not going to give away her age, but all I'll say is, it's a big one. And it was Tatty who had first introduced me to this story, but neither of us at the time knew it had a name. Tales from the Otherwood would like to wish Tatty a very happy birthday, and is more than delighted to present The Shag Dog. Yes, but have you seen it, Nana? Seen it? Don't you question me, young lady. I don't need to have seen it. I've heard it. When I've gone along the lane at night... I've heard it rattling its chain in dark as it comes out of Shag Dog Pit. Some people say it goes to the river so for its evening drink. Katie looked at her grandmother incredulously. Everyone knows the pit is swampy. If there is a ghostly dog haunting it, then why would it go to the saw for a drink? For a moment, her grandmother was quiet then went back to how she started the conversation in the first place. People have gone down Black Lane for years at night, and lots of them say how they've been followed by a big black mastiff. With huge glowing staring eyes, Grandad bellowed, doing an excellent job of scaring Katie right out of her skin, as up until right now, he had been sleeping for the past half hour. It's got glowing red eyes, you see and a strange glow coming from its mouth, he added, closing his eyes again. Well, thank you very much, Grandad, but that's what everyone else says. Black Lane is haunted by a big black dog with glowing eyes, but has anyone actually been attacked or bitten by it, though? Grandad opened his eyes again. Nope, 
but I bet it scared them all witless. <laughs> he chuckled to himself, closing his eyes once more, as he settled in to be even more comfortable in his armchair. Katie then said her goodbyes to her grandparents, kissing them both, and was ready to set off on her way when her nana asked, Would you mind popping in to see Mrs. Wiles? We noticed she wasn't in church the other day. Katie promised she would do this at once before going home. She didn't mind as she was friends with the Wiles. In fact, she was friends with almost everyone in Burstall. Making her way through the village, it was a beautiful autumnal day. The sky had a bit of blue and there was a silver cloud in the sky. Although, by the gold light and pastel blues in the sky and the cool in the air, the day didn't have long left. Katie arrived at Wiles Lane, so called because the Wiles family had lived at the house on the small street for so long, it was named after them. Hey up, greeted Tom Wiles with a big grin on his face. He was in the yard gathering straw for the cow's bedding. Have you come to see my mother, the barges, or me? There's barges in the dark, Katie asked, all excited. That's right, come on, let me put this down and I'll show you. After setting the straw down, Tom opened the gate and led Katie down to the dockside where there was a barge full of Mount Sorrel granite tied to its moorings. Nearby was a little boy who was watching the untied barge horse grazing the grass. Surely this child can't steer the barge. Where's the bargey? Oh, him, Tom replied. He's been drinking in the white horse. Look, here he comes now. Katie laughed as Tom swayed a little, pretending to be drunk, and as the bargee got closer and closer, she could see he was quite unmissable with his thick red beard, a scarlet muffler around his neck, and a yellow waistcoat. She could also see that as soon as he saw her, the bargee's face widened into a drunken smile. She smiled back at first, thinking he was just being friendly and would just start talking to Tom. But as he got closer... His eyes wouldn't leave her, and his gaze lingered too long. Feeling rather uncomfortable, Katie quickly tucked her arm into Tom's, who seemed to pick up on the Katie's trepidation and found himself standing a little forward in front of her. Actually, I came to see your mother. My nana hasn't seen her and was worried, she blurted out. Yeah, of course. Come on, she's not being well, Tom replied and took them back up to the house. He apologised on the way, but Kate was far more interested in asking about Mrs. Wiles. Taking her into his mother's bedroom, Katie could see Mrs. Wiles was burning up in a fever, and was even trembling too. Katie was concerned immediately. Have you sent for the doctor? No, I was going to take her to Belgrave tonight, after I've milked the cows. She needs him now, Tom. I know. I'll go and get the doctor. If I go now, it will have only just turned dark. I'll only be about an hour. And with that, Katie set off through Burstall to the quickest way to get to the neighbouring village of Belgrave, and that was through the cinder path called Black Lane. As she made her way through the mile-long lane, the ash and willows had not yet lost all their leaves, and the way they had grown on each side of the lane made the tree boughs form a kind of tunnel. 
and even though they opened up to reveal the fields, which, even at this time of the year, were pretty to look at, Katie couldn't help but shiver a little bit when she stopped to look at Shagdog Pit. It did look rather gloomy and unwelcoming. Why did she have to ask her grandparents about it today, of all days? If there was anywhere in the world right now that was going to be haunted, this would definitely be the place. Chiding herself for being frightened over silly ghost stories, she quickened her pace and made her way to Belgrave. The doctor's house was a red brick building just behind the church. Katie's knocks on the door were answered by the doctor's housekeeper. After explaining the situation about Mrs. Wiles, the housekeeper told Katie that the doctor wasn't in right now, as he was presently making a house call, but would tell the doctor as soon as he had returned. The housekeeper also asked Katie if she wanted to wait indoors, and if she would like a cup of tea. Looking around, Katie could see it was already dusk, and one by one the gas house lights were being lit. No, thank you. My mother gets really anxious if I'm not back before dark. I really must be going. Katie walked as quickly as she could, and as soon as she got to Black Lane, she could see the leafy gloom was now a thick twilight darkness. If she made it quickly, she'd be back in Burstall before the night had set in. Cross with herself for being scared, she set off homeward. It was about half a mile into the walk that Katie heard the snapping of a twig by something heavy-footed behind her. Hoping it was a badger, or a fox, or maybe even a foal that had somehow made it from the field, she turned to look behind her, and there... In the dark was the unmistakable large form of a man, with a thick beard, a scarlet muffler and a yellow waistcoat. It was the bargee. At this moment, her heart stopped and she felt a dizzying sickness coming out from her belly. He was walking towards her. He must have watched her leave the Wiles' house and come down the lane and waited for her. A torrent of thoughts rushed through her mind all at once. What was he going to do? Was he here to escort her, try and win her affection, rob her, or worse? He was getting closer. If she walked, he'd catch up. If she ran, he would outrun her with those long legs of his, drunk or not. With a quick breath, tears misting her vision and a heart beating so fast she was convinced it would burst out of her chest, Katie continued to walk forwards. And as she did so, she noticed they were very near Shagdog Pit. And it was here she heard an unnatural bark, followed by a very low and guttural growl. If Katie was afraid before, she was terrified now, especially as she saw two red glowing eyes and the shape of a mouth with long fangs silhouetted by a red glow rather like that of burning embers coming from the creature's throat just like her granddad had said. As Katie was unable to move, the eyes and mouth got closer and closer, until she could make out the shape of thick paws and glistening claws, approaching quicker and quicker. Then she could see a very large black dog with dark matted fur come dashing out of what was the wall to the pit and sped into a run. 
Katie closed her eyes and prepared herself for the worst, her throat so dry she couldn't even let out a yell or a scream. The paws thudded and thudded, louder, quicker, and past her. Then the shag dog started barking at something else. The bargy. Opening her eyes, Katie quickly realised the dog was protecting her. So, she did what any other decent person would do. She ran. She ran the last half-mile home all the way until she ran out of Black Lane and ran to the nearest house with lights. In this case, the house of the blacksmith and pounded on the door with all of her might. Tom Wiles listened intently to Katie's story, thanking her for getting the doctor to see his mother, but cursing himself that he had not gone with Katie to keep her safe. He didn't believe in the shag dog, but he wasn't going to tell his friend that. At least, not right now. But something must have happened along the cinder path. Tom did believe, however, in the power of a well-placed fist. And once he had said goodnight to Katie and her parents after walking her home, he would go down to the dock in the morning and give the bargee a piece of his mind and a nice shining black eye. The following morning, just before dawn, Tom jumped out of bed and dressed as quickly as he could and went down to the dock to find that both the barge and the bargee had gone. Asking around, he had learned that the bargee had tied the horse for towing the now-empty barge and had left for Loughborough, and he never showed his face in the area again. Right. Storytelling is thirsty work. Time for a cup of tea, I think. Put on the kettle or crack open your flask. It's time for a drink and a chat. The black dog is an infamously known creature. In Scandinavia, it is called the Grim and said to be the devil. In Spain, it is a ghostly dog said to be other colours such as red or yellow. Here in the United Kingdom, it is known by many names. Padfoot, Shriker, Blackshook and Trash. And these are by no means the only names it has. Mark Norman, in his book Black Dog Folklore, proposes that Great Britain is home to numerous types of black dog. Although they can be categorised in one of two types – the Bargast or the Black Dog. The Bargast is a more malicious entity, or at least it is said to have negative connotations, its appearance often signalling the doom of the observer or bringing misfortune to the witness in some way. Often, the Bargast is more ominous in its presence, sometimes sporting a single eye in the middle of its forehead or having no head at all. The black dog is generally more benign and protects the one who sees it, appearing very much like a normal physical dog, even if it does have glowing eyes. The shag dog would fall into this particular category, especially as it protects Katie from whatever the bargee had in mind as he followed her. The shag dog is very much like other regional black dogs and bargasts. It has jet black fur, in some accounts this is either matted or a sleek gloss, 
as the dog in our story is described as being a mastiff, which are normally short-haired, it is curious that this is called the shag dog. Its eyes have a glowing red light emanating from them, and although red is the usual colour, there have been reports of other black dogs having a yellow glow instead. It also haunts the cinder path named Black Lane, which is in line with other black dogs that are said to haunt certain paths, roads and even crossroads. Where the shag dog differs in its characteristics is that as well as the glowing eyes, it has another glow, if not the very same coming from within its mouth, which, if seeing a spectral hound wasn't scary enough, gives it something more individual to define it. We are also told by Katie's grandmother that a shag dog rattles its chains whenever it comes out of the pit, yet when Katie has her encounter, she hears only its bark. And yet neither version of the story I've come across has the dog appear with the rattling of chains. Tatty, being Leicestershire born and bred, tells me that local lore has it that whenever the shag dog is seen, it is also accompanied by the sound of ticking, and this takes place before the shag dog arrives, and once the ticking has finished, that's when it is said to appear. Reports of black dog sightings of the protective kind are often accompanied by feelings that the dog feels otherworldly. It also allows the observer to feel safe. In some cases, the dog feels completely normal, and even though it is shown to a friend or relative of the witness, it then disappears as mysteriously as it had first come. It could be that the story of the shag dog comes from the reactions of the locals of Burstall in regards to the river folk who were new to the area. The river saw had been made more navigable up to Loughborough by the 1780s and 1790s by canal networks joining up the saw with the rivers Trent, Erewash and Neen. This would have allowed not only trade to pass through much easier than travelling on land, but would have introduced villages and other settlements to people they would normally have not dealt with, let alone welcome. Burstall's parish church of St James the Greater dates back to the 13th century, with a lattice window going back to Anglo-Saxon times. This church also has a carving that is thought to have been dated to somewhere between 900 and 1000 AD. It shows what appears to be a feline form with a long tail sitting with its paws out in an almost sphinx-like position, and this is known as the Beast of Burstall. And although it belonged to the original Saxon church, no one knows where in that church it belonged. When I first read of this so-called beast, I so wanted it to be dog-like in shape. But I suppose at least with its cat-like features, we can rule out the shag dog being connected to the carving. Black dogs are mysterious creatures, stepping out and disappearing into the shadows they came from whilst protecting us from the living hiding in those shadows who seek to do us harm. Should you come across a black dog and find no feeling of threat coming from it, just bear in mind, it might be there to make sure you get home safely. Tales from the Other Word was written and produced by me, Dylan Knight. If you could please leave a review of this podcast wherever you listen to it, 
I'd appreciate that a lot. Thank you for listening, and remember, stay safe and watch out for anyone following you home, especially in dark, lonely lanes. <laughs>